This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. My name is Michael Levitt, and today I've got Scott Eblen. I've been a big fan of Scott for a long time. He wrote a book which probably feels like a billion years ago for many of us, called The Next Level, What Insiders Know About Executive Success. And he's got a new version coming out in a couple months, and I'm thrilled to have Scott on the show. So, Scott, welcome to the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Michael, really a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thanks. First off, what drove you to write another edition of what many feel is the go-to book on how to be an executive? Well, thank you for the go-to book comment. Um, so this is the third edition that's coming out of the next level. And, you know, it's kind of hard for me to believe that I'm even have a third edition coming out. I, you know, when I, when I wrote the book originally in 2006, uh, you know, it's kind of been an evolution. I, I wrote the, when I originally wrote the book, the people I had in mind were the people I was working with as a coach, and they were people who were new to the executive level. And then what I started to learn in between the first edition and the second edition, which came out in 2010, was the next level is not just about being promoted. You know, there's, there's a lot of different scenarios, really, that are next level situations. And, and that could be same job, bigger scope, which a lot of people are in, um, higher performance bar, changing competitive environment. And so, you know, all those, what they require is different results. You know, you have to get different results in any of those scenarios, promotion or bigger scope or any of those. And then the third edition, you know, it's been hard for me to believe, but it's been, what was it, uh, eight years, I guess, uh, since uh, the second edition came out. And I've just learned a lot, you know, since, since 2010 and working with clients and leading different leadership development programs and talking to people and, you know, speaking and so forth. I've learned a lot about how things have changed, really. Um, I think since 2008, with the financial crisis, um, you know, one big thing that's changed is everybody's trying to do more with less. And even though, you know, at least in the United States and a lot of most of the world, we've kind of recovered from the financial crisis, that do more with less kind of scenario that kicked off in 2008, I think continues today. I mean, most people that I talk to and work with in larger companies are all doing more than they were a year ago. You know, it's just a constantly, you know, increasing set of demands. So that's one thing. And I think the other big thing that's changed, you know, in the last uh, eight or nine years is the 24-7 aspect of, of life. I mean, you know, and Everybody had Blackberries back in the 90s and the early 2000s, but then, you know, Steve Jobs introduced the iPhone in summer of 2007, and that was kind of an exponential thing in retrospect, right? Because, you know, the iPhone, a single iPhone, has more computing power than the supercomputer NASA used to land men on the moon, and it allows you to do anything at any time, basically, and so you become way more connected to your work. Your work kind of overcomes everything else in some way. It can if you, if you don't pay attention. And, and so I've, I guess what I've learned 
a lot about are some leadership imperatives that I think leaders need to pay attention to. And there are three of those that I talk about in the new edition. And I'm, I'm trying to relate, you know, pretty much everything people, I think, like uh, about the previous editions of the book. I want to I keep those there. And I think I have kept those there. But I've also just added some new insights and some new tools and frameworks and things that I've been using with clients over the last seven or eight years. Yeah, you nailed it with the iPhone uh, because, you know, I've seen, you know, images online of, and there's this one cartoon that I love where it's basically got the iPhone in the middle and all of the devices that it replaced are all surrounding yeah. it, getting ready to beat it up. It's, <laughs> it, it's one of those devices that, one, I absolutely love because uh, I have an iPhone, but I had an Android before. You know, they do very similar things. And I had a BlackBerry years ago as well. And, you know, whenever we saw the blinking red light, it's like, oh, we have a message. Let's go take a look at it. Well, now on these devices, all of our apps have notifications on them unless you turn them off. So you're constantly in this case of basically playing whack-a-mole and trying, mm -hmm. okay, I have this red light, I have to deal with it. Oh, I've got this email message, I have to deal with it. There's this sense that we have to deal with something or the fear of missing out, you know, a lot of different things. And when you're in a leadership role, you have things coming at you all the time and we're not designed to be 24 seven. So mm -hmm. it's, it's good that this new edition is addressing this because I, I think that as time goes on and you managed a couple of months ago, you know, where people are busier than they were even a year ago mm -hmm. and gone are the days of, well, I'll just go to upper management or the board and say, okay, we need to hire additional that, that seems to be a, a question or a comment that you don't hear anymore. It's like people right. won't even broach that subject. Mm -hmm. Although I'm sure that in some organizations they would say, yeah, it makes sense to, to do it. But uh, everyone is still on that do more with less mentality that many organizations were forced to do back in 2008 and 2009 when, when things were crashing down pretty much everywhere you looked. Yeah, I mean, I don't know of any organizations that I work with that are adding layers of management. <laughs> no. You know, to the contrary, everybody is de-layering, right? And and there there are lots of reasons for that. I mean, you know, the, the economics can be one reason, but I think you know, I think a lot of organizations feel like it's it's more efficient to to de-layer and and so forth. But the but the impact of that, you know, so I'm not arguing good or bad on de-layering, but but the impact of that on the individual leader. Uh, is can be pretty dramatic, right? And and so, you know, I talk about th like I mentioned a minute ago. I talk about three imperatives in the um, in the new edition uh, for leaders, and I, they are uh, managing yourself is, is number one. And I think that's kind of the foundation of the pyramid, really. Um, leveraging your team is number two, and then engaging your colleagues is number three. And talk about a half a year is talk about leadership presence and breaking it down into personal presence and team presence and organizational presence. And so, really, just trying to make it increasingly more clear and actionable for people about you know the things that they need, how they need to be spending their time and attention. You know, no matter where they are as a leader, what level they are as a leader. Uh, or an executive, you know, but they've got to manage themselves. They've got to leverage their team. They've got to engage their colleagues. And um, I don't care how many layers you have in your organization, you got to do those three things. Yeah, and it's a good reminder for all the leaders listening is, you know, and you mentioned this in your book and I wrote it down in my notes. You know, you, every day you come to work and you go, okay, what am I trying to accomplish here? Mm -hmm. What's my role? And okay, how am I showing up? 
Mm-hmm. You know, am I really here? Am I present or am I scattered across the 80 things that are on my to-do list? You know, what, mm-hmm. what should I be working on today? What are things that I can do today to make tomorrow a little bit better? And I, I love the part about, you know, really engaging your colleagues because oftentimes leadership can feel like you are on an island because people are looking at you as the leader. You walk in, no matter what you think they're thinking, they're looking at you differently than they would a colleague because you're the leader of the organization. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I think as a leader myself, we forget that and we just go into work because we revert back to that old thinking back in the days when we were doing things and not directing things. And it, mm-hmm. uh, it's, it's an easy, easy trap to fall into. So it's a good reminder for us all. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree with you. And, you know, you, I was actually just writing about that this morning in a, in a blog post that I was working on is, you know, you, I was writing a post five questions for five questions to think about when you're, taking on the top job, uh, I think was the name of the post. And, you know, one of the things that think about is the impact, you know, how do I impact my team uh, or what impact do I have on my team? Because, you know, I can think of myself, well, you know, I'm still just Scott or I'm still just Michael, you know, I'm still me. Yeah, you are still you, uh, but you're also you with this title that says, chief executive officer or chief operating officer or vice president or senior vice president of this or that. And people have stories <laughs> about people in roles like that. Right. Of course. And, and they recognize how much, or they assume what rightly or wrongly that you have power and influence over their lives. And they're probably more right than wrong about that. Right. And so it's just, yeah, you got to be super aware of that. In the last eight years, uh, since uh, the the second edition of the book, is there one thing that jumps out you or jumps out at you that's really surprising of how things have changed in the last eight years? I know mm-hmm. you alluded to it a little bit more about we're mm-hmm. being asked more to do more with less, but is there something else that was shocking in your research and talking with other leaders as you were preparing for this? Shocking might be too strong a word, but I think that one thing that really stands out for me over the last eight years is the importance of that first imperative of managing yourself. You know, the, we've talked in this conversation about the impact of 24-7 technology and the iPhone and the notifications and it either lights up or it vibrates or whatever it does, you know, when a new message comes in. And I, I, I like to ask my audiences when I'm doing speaking, um, to do a couple of things. One is like hold up your smartphone and then hold, hold up both smartphones if you have two. And most people hold up two hands in the air at that time, at that point. And then the next question is how many, you know, combination of emails and texts do you get in a day or Slack notifications or whatever? And it's anywhere from 200 to 400, 500. And so you're getting little shots of dopamine, you know, neurochemical that, it drives the addiction process. Actually, you get a little shot of, shot of dopamine every time you're aware of a new notification, and it just totally wires you. And, and that, along with other things that are happening happening physiologically, they leave you in a chronic state of fight or flight, and that's your body's sympathetic nervous system working overtime. And it has huge impacts on how you. Sh- you talked about showing up a minute ago. I think uh, it has huge impacts on how you show up as a leader. 
you know, your decision-making quality suffers, your irritability goes up, you know, you've got 80 things to do, you're kind of flitting from thing to thing, your mind's all over the place. Probably more importantly for most people is it has equally huge and severe impacts on your life expectancy and your overall health and well-being to be in chronic fight or flight. And so what I've learned, like this is maybe the big surprise, what I've learned over the last several years is everybody's heard of fight or flight. That's not a surprise. We all know what that is. And 100% of the people know what fight or flight is, like literally 100%. Uh, what they, what only like maybe 2% of them have heard of is the nickname rest and digest. And that's the nickname for your body's parasympathetic nervous system. And as humans, we each have both. We have a sympathetic and a parasympathetic nervous system, fight or flight and rest and digest. And the author and psychologist Rick Hansen, who's written a lot of great books, has this little metaphor that fight or flight is your body's gas pedal, rest and digest is your body's brakes, the braking system. And they're designed to work together in synchronicity, what scientists would call homeostasis. I guess what I'm really encouraged about actually is it's really easy to teach people how to activate their rest and digest response. It's really easy for individuals to do that. And what I've been really encouraged by is how quickly people get that concept of gas pedal and brakes and how, how optimistic they are when they understand that they don't just have fight or flight. They also have rest and digest and that they're going to be better leaders and be at their best in other domains of life, not just at work and live longer and live happier and live healthier if they learn how to manage themselves more effectively. And I think that essentially comes down to hitting the sweet spot between your gas pedal and the brakes. Yeah, and that's crucial. And I, you know, I always encourage when I talk with leaders and that are dealing with burnout or approaching that is you're going to be a better leader if you are refreshed and you can focus on the things that you want to do. And you can't pour from an empty glass. And too many of us uh, often show up and our glass is, you know, it's not half full or half empty. It's empty and we're rolling into the office on an empty tank and it's just it's it's difficult uh, for everyone involved not just for the leader but for the people that work for and with the leader as well because sometimes and i've seen this in many cases you know that leader may not be as approachable as they used to be or they're distant or they're not uh, really thinking clearly or providing much direction uh, they're physically there, but everything else, uh, they're, they're nowhere to be found. So that is an incredible analogy. And I'm, I'm also you know, positively optimistic that once people start recognizing that um, 2% um, and get that number up a little bit higher, I think we're going to see some transformation in leadership and uh, and it just bodes well for organizations and society as a whole. When when leaders yeah. are healthy, organizations are healthy. If organizations are healthy, they're creating great things, and that benefits all of us. Yeah, I mean that's that's another big idea that is new to the third edition of the of the next level book is the idea that leaders control the weather. And and I had heard that somewhere along the line. I I think I've seen it attributed to Winston Churchill at this point. It seems like he said everything. Him and John Wooden said everything that was worth saying, I guess. Uh, but that idea that leaders control the weather that however you show up as a leader is really kind of completely predictive of how the people who are around you are going to show up, especially when it's your team, right? And so to the degree that you can 
manage yourself more effectively and exhibit that and embody that, then like you suggest, Michael, it has this enormous positive ripple effect directly on your team and you know your organization and indirectly on on their teams and their families and the other people they come in contact with you know it's just sort of this virtuous uh, cycle yeah another thing you wrote in the book too you know that i wrote down was you know leading your best by living your best and that goes right in right in hand with what we've been talking about is if you live your best life um, you're going to be the best leader you can possibly be you'll be operating in a mode that, and I've seen this with people and myself included, you're operating in this mode that just flows so smoothly that even when challenges come up, and they do, and we're not trying to sugarcoat anything and say, oh no, if you do all of these things, you will never face another challenge in your life, in your organization. We know that's not the case. But when you or taking the best care of yourself and doing everything that you need uh, to be the best version of yourself. Uh, the end result is your organization gets a better leader than they hired. And sure. it's, it's I like the way you train that. Yeah. And it's, it, 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 it transforms the organization. They go, Whoa, what got into you? And it's like, yeah. so it's, it's, it's a wonderful opportunity and I, I hope that leaders take advantage of it. Yeah, that's, that's beautifully said. Thank you. Thank you. So the book, the new edition's coming out, in, in, and I'm saying this fall, and then I kind of did the math when we're recording this, and that's not that far away. Um, right. my, my brain still says what happened in June, but uh, <laughs> we're, we're getting there. Uh, where can uh, our listeners find out more about the new edition and you and your organization and some of the stuff that you're doing for uh, yeah, to make things better? Yes. So uh, we have a dedicated uh, little micro site online about the book. It's at the next level dot info. Uh, so the, the words the next level dot I N F O dot info as for information on the book and, and if you want to learn more about me uh, and what we do at the Eplin Group, you could just Google it, uh, Scott Eplin, or you can go to eplingroup.com, and the book will be available, you know, online where wherever books are sold, as they say. <laughs> there you go. And audience, I'll have all that information in the show notes, uh, and I highly encourage that you buy this book. It uh, for my own personal story, which many of you know. If I would have had this book uh, when the first edition came out, it probably, and I'm pretty positive about this, it probably would have helped prevent a lot of the challenges that I faced as a leader, a new leader trying to figure out how to navigate everything. So if you're a new leader or a leader that's been around for a long time, this book belongs on your bookshelf. So when it comes out, go get it. That's awesome. So, Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Scott, and, and thank you very much for your time today. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Again, I've been a big fan for a long time and thankful uh, for this book and uh, was amazed to find out that there was going to be a new edition of it. And I, my first thought was, why do you need to update it? But after reading it, and I had a preview copy, just to let everybody know, um, and I'm not going to share it with you. You go buy it. Uh, but I, it, when I read it, I thought, okay, now I know why you updated it because it, it flowed naturally from the first edition all the way into the latest stuff. So congratulations on another excellent book. And I appreciate you and everything that you and your group is doing. We're back at you. Thanks so much, Michael. Really great to talk with you. Thank you. Well, likewise. And thank you for listening, everyone. And until next time, be well.
Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.